Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello and welcome to the final installment of our mini-series around our H2 Outlook. Yesterday, Manpreet and I zoomed in to discuss opportunities in currency markets. Today, I want to zoom out again and talk about how an income investor might approach the current investment climate. To do this, I've asked Ahana Chu, a member of the CIO office's asset allocation team, to join me. In line with most areas of the investment space this year, multi-asset income investments have generally lost value so far, although they have held up well or better than a balanced pro-growth allocation. So Hannah will outline why this has been the case, why we expect it to continue, and which areas in particular we think will outperform. Before we get started, I just want to highlight that we are having two live webinars on Monday, July 4th. Uh, These events include a fireside chat between myself and Professor Raghuram Rajan, who is the former IMF Chief Economist and also former Reserve Bank of India Governor, where we'll discuss the long-term outlook for inflation, key financial imbalances, Um, the regulatory outlook for cryptocurrencies and the future of India and China. You'll also hear from Standard Chartered's CIO office on how you might position your portfolios given the opportunities and risks facing investors going into the second half of the year. If you're interested in registering for the event, you can do so at www.sc.com slash GMO, which stands for Global Market Outlook, or just click the link in the description. With that, Let's get started and talk about the current uh, environment for income. So, Hannah, I guess with, as as the same for everywhere, right? It's been a challenging um, start to the year for for investors, uh, and that includes those who are looking for income. Um, can you explain why that the multi asset income strategies, though, to have tended to hold up better in the first half of the year? Um, yeah, thanks, Steve, for having me on the podcast. Uh, I'm gl- I'm glad to be here. Um, and yes, 2022 has had a really challenging start for you know both risk assets and income strategies, having suffered against um, the, the backdrop of elevated inflation, uh, moderating growth, and also that you know the rising risk of a U.S. In recession. Uh, and as you have rightfully alluded to it, our MAI portfolio has actually done well relative to our balanced allocation. So it's recorded about you know two percent outperformance. And the yield on our multi-asset portfolio has actually risen to 6.4%, which is actually the highest that we've seen um, you know, since March 2020. So we, we do believe that our multi-asset portfolio has benefited in an environment of higher levels of yield on offer, uh, coupled with that diversified sources of income, as well as um, the regular cash payout. So, you know, the the higher and more diversified sources of income uh, relative to that more growth-oriented allocation usually offers the benefits of um, reduced sensitivity to interest rates, mitigating that valuation compression. So, hence, while all the major asset classes have collectively taken a beating this year, the income basket has, you know, proven more resilient than equities and bonds so far this year. Okay, so so what is the outlook uh, as we move into the second half of the the year for uh, income investing? Um, yeah, currently, I think what investors are increasingly worried about is the rising risk of the U.S. recession, as there are still expectations for a sharp growth slowdown. And while we in the CIO team do expect inflation to peak soon, 
there are upside risks that still remains in our view. So um, as such, um, strategies with uh, the real cash flow, so we are looking at multi-asset income, uh, dividend uh, equities, they are sort of being favoured over that um, balanced and purely growth-focused allocation. Uh, and with the ongoing macro uncertainties, income will still be an important source of returns when we uh, take a look from a total return perspective. Uh, and, and while it may be debatable you know, whether uh, risk assets have truly bottomed, we do see that there is an opportunity set that comes from income strategies that is clearly looking more attractive after the rise in interest rate, uh, the widening credit spreads, as well as the spiking volatility that we've seen. So our expectation is therefore for uh, the multi-asset income strategies to outperform the balanced allocation over the next 12 months. Okay, so I, I spoke to Abhilash and Fukien um, separately earlier in the week, uh, and we were discussing, you know, the, the for a balanced allocation, pro-growth allocation, we were actually raising our bond exposure and trimming um, the allocation in equities. Is the same true for income investors? Are we recommending the same? Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for fixed income investors, we, we see the environment as having shifted from, you know, TINA, which, which stands for there is no alternative, to that Tara environment, which stands for there are relevant alternatives. So, you know, given the surge in the US 10-year government bond yields and the much higher credit spreads that we've seen across um, most bond asset classes year to date, we are much more comfortable um, raising the weights of fixed income within our multi-asset income allocation to that neutral level. Uh, there are market expectations for the U.S. Fed fund rates that have converged to the Feds, actually. So this is sort of signaling, signaling to us that um, the worst of the bond yield increases are likely behind us. Um, and that said, uh, you know, while we've added to uh, fixed income and trim back uh, on dividend equities, actually, uh, we still have, um, you know, that sort of overweight in dividend equities in our multi-asset allocation. So um, the high dividend yielding equities still look attractive in the long run, uh, with dividend yields still at a premium inflation adjusted compared to the bond yields. And additionally, what our analysis has shown, you know, is that historically, when we look at high dividend equities, they have managed to outperform the traditional equities during periods of high inflation, which we've defined as um, the US CPI having exceeded 3%. So we see global dividend equities as offering sort of that middle ground for investors who are uh, who might be worried about you know uh, further valuation compressions due to the higher interest rates, but yet remain confident on the co- corporate earnings growth outlook. Yeah, and I guess that inflation outlook has been uh, reinforced this week from comments coming out from Portugal, from different central bank governors talking about long-term inflation. So the dividend component will definitely help uh, over the longer term, help protect against that inflation. Um, in, in terms of bonds, um, do you have any preferences that you would like to highlight today? Uh, yeah, so we do continue to prefer, you know, the Asia dollar bonds within fixed income, you know, given the high yields on offer and uh, the wider credit premium relative to the U.S. government bonds. Uh, we also see it as um, um, them having benefited from you know, China's continued uh, policy easing. So it provides sort of a more supportive back, uh, macro backdrop relative to the U.S. and Europe, both of which are seeing more tightening, um, the slowing growth in order to curb uh, inflationary pressures. 
We also do continue to prefer the floating rate notes given the upside risk to inflation. So these floating notes, um, they do offer a decent level of yield with much lower interest rate risk. So like what we've seen year to date, um, the floating rate notes have historically been resilient in a rising rate environment. And when we look at the fundamental side, actually, uh, the default rate is expected to remain below historical averages, while the recovery rate is aligned with you know, the long-term averages. Uh, we have, however, closed our preference for subordinated bonds as we find that you know, the value they offer relative to more senior bonds have narrowed significantly, although we do uh, still find that their absolute level of yields are pretty attractive. Okay, um, well, thanks, Hannah. Uh, um, thanks for your time. That's all we've got time for today. Um, thank you, listener, uh, for joining us. Um, that is it for the mini-series on the H2 Outlook. Um, I hope you found this series useful, and if you did, please feel free to uh, like, rate, or follow the podcast going forward. Uh, Manpreet will be back on Monday with his daily Cut to the Chase uh, podcast. Just as a final reminder, if you'd like to sign up for our H2 Global Market Outlook webinar, please click the link in the description. In the meantime, take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.